Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football. It's a question episode and as always, I'll be joined by Micah Richards and Alan Shearer. I'm Gary Lineker and I'm going to go straight in because we've got lots of questions to get through and thank you once again for sending them in. We really do appreciate it as that and all your very kind words about the podcast. We're really chuffed you're enjoying it. Right, one from Mate Lengiel. Hi, I'm not sure if it's already been asked, but just wondering whether Spurs are better with or without Harry Kane. I'd like to hear Micah's thoughts on it, please. (laughs) Great start. Great question. Get off that fucking thing. Give us an answer. Have you just made that question up, Gary? What? No, no, no. No, it's from Mate Lengiel. I couldn't make that name up. Spurs are a better... Counter-attacking team. <laughs> I can't look what Spurs. Look what Kane is doing at Bayern Munich. I can't say Spurs are a bad team. They're performing so well. Ask me this question in March. I've already said. Ask me the question in March. I'm gonna ask this question every week. <laughs> <laughs> Put your balls on the line and give us an answer for once. Counter-attacking team, yes. That is not an answer. (laughs) Not an answer at all. (laughs) But there we go. Right, I've got one from uh, Gary Walker. That's a good name, isn't it? Gary and Walker's in the same thing. Right, um, if you were all to choose a favourite club and country football jersey based solely on design and appearance without any personal memories associated with them, what would they be? Brazil. Oh, I was going to say the same thing. You stole it. Got to be, hasn't it? Got to be oh, that famous that yellow jersey. Gold eh? jersey. It's a, that's, imagine be. wearing that. You'd look great in that. Oh, oh would, would I? Proper samba boy. Yes, definitely. <laughs> R9 in that shirt. Iconic. It has to be Brazil. MR2. Oh, no, no, no. Imagine that. Big mix. Big Meeks. <laughs> I think we all like that. There's something about that, isn't there? That yeah. Brazilian shirt. I like the Argentina strip as well, you know. Yeah. I really like that. It's like kind of iconic. England's a good kit. White. I always like white. I shouldn't say that because it's obviously as a Barcelona player, but former player. Real Madrid was always the, the white ones, but it, I think it always looks good. Um, right. Here we go. Well, question from De or De Emral. What is the best goal you ever scored? Mikey, you go first because obviously you haven't got so many to choose from. Oh, spicy. I would say my goal against... No, you know what? I've done my Stoke goal before. I'm going to do my Blackburn Mm. goal. Talk us through it. Okay. Tell us it. So I'm playing playing centre-half. And as the ball comes into me, the first touch has got to be bang on. First touch in front of you nullify the defender's threat straight away. So I burst into midfield. I'm running with it. I'm I'm going at about 30 miles an hour. No one could get nowhere near me. I burst <laughs> from midfield into the attacking phase of play. Let's, let's call it. And then I sort of drop my shoulder, go one way and go the other. And then I play a wonderful ball through to Benjani. Benjani absolutely shanks it. It comes off the post, rebounds straight to me, and I just half volley it home. It's a tap it in then. Deli- <laughs> well, I mean, a little bit. <laughs> How far out were you? 
about five years. <laughs> <laughs> it was all about the run though, wasn't it, Mike? It was oh, all about the run. Yeah. I'm sat here waiting for it. I pinned one in from about 25 yards and it went into the top corner. Fucking five yards out, and all falling. <laughs> it was all about the run. It was all about the run now. Uh, oh, come, come. Gary, what's yours? No, my, I, well, I never really scored any great goals. Um, I scored one at Old Trafford in top corner, but I, I, my best goal, I think, even though it was just a typical one from about six yards out, was because it changed my life, and that 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 for me is is more significant than a, a long range effort. Which um, the, you know, the best goal I scored was at Old Trafford in top corner, but from twenty yards or so. But but yeah, probably the first one in the World Cup in nineteen eighty six. We had to win the game. We had to beat Poland, um, and I just got the ball, knocked it out wide, made a run one way, went, gambled on the near post and and, and, and knocked it in. But it, we've talked before about a goal can can change everything, can change your mm. life. And it, it did mine. I ended up with a hat-trick. I, I finished with a golden boot, which I obviously don't mention too often. And then off the back <laughs> of it, I got a move to Barcelona. So it was... It was yeah. Transformational, really. Well, the, the goal sounds shy. He said best goal. <laughs> well, yeah, well, all right. I'll go. Um, I'll um, tell you what, I, did, I scored a goal playing against America. Uh, we played in Los Angeles. Um, it was a kind of year before the World Cup, I think. It's a kind of tour we had. Um, and Glenn Hoddle knocked a ball in, knocked to me on the edge of the box. And I, and I kind of turned, chested it in the air, turned and like, volleyed it into the top corner and that was an absolute beauty love it have we got footage of that Can I've we get seen footage? it I've seen footage of it it's there somewhere we'll find Black it we'll find Black it we'll, I'll make sure someone finds it and puts it on mine was a, mine was a volley from 30 yards that went right into the top I corner remember. no messing against oh. Everton yeah, it's it was. So, it's, uh, come on, Alan, give us a Ready bit more. Ready, fucking salted. If you were Chris, you <laughs> mean. <laughs> what, what I did, what I did, I got the ball, I chested it down, and I just hit it as hard as I could. That's great analysis, that is it, Alan. Well, I didn't chest it down, I just fucking smashed it from 30 yards away in the top corner. Uh, <laughs> that was it. You scored a lot of, you scored a lot of absolute storming goals, didn't you? Belters from Head down. 25. Head down and hit Smack it. it. Pick yeah. your spot and hit it. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, by Everton one was my best one. Okay, before we move on, sorry, what, what ball did you like to hit the most? Because you love smashing it. Because you had the Mitres, you had the Nikes. Have we had Puma as well, have we? Remember the Mitre Multiplex, wasn't it? That was that was um, when I first yes. started off, the Mitre Multiplex, I think it was. I started off with that old round leather ball with the, the, the laces in it. When it got wet, it was really yeah. heavy. Yeah. <laughs> that actually leads, leads us on nicely to the next question, which is to me from someone called Talking Truth. I don't think that's his name, but um, how did it feel to win the Golden Boot over Maradona? Ooh. I don't know why I chose to read that question out. I was going to say it. It felt fucking <laughs> brilliant. Yes. <laughs> See, you're allowed to swear when 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 it's that That's, mammoth and that huge. Yeah, it sounds better when you swear. A bit of emphasis, um, but I do remember watching the final because Maradona had got five goals. I'd already got six, and we were knocked out in the quarterfinals, obviously in the hand of God game. Then Maradona went on and scored two in the semi, and he was on five, and he was the only one that could beat me in the final. Um, and I, I remember I was brought in. I think it was the first bit of punditry I ever did. I was. Um, in the studio um, with Des Lynham and Terry Venables and, and Jimmy Hill, I think. Um, and 
And I've spent the whole game like praying he wouldn't score and he got brought down and it looked like a nailed on penalty and they didn't give it and he took the penalties and then he had a free kick that was like a whisper away and it was like <laughs> a tense watch. It was such a tense watch, but ah, oh, such a relief. Brilliant. Uh, joyous, beautiful stuff. Right, here's a question from Ahmed Aude, who says, would you rather be a first team player for a club battling relegation or mid-table each season or a squad rotation player in a team constantly winning trophies and European championships? Love the podcast, keep up the good work and hail Big Meeks. Well, I'm, I'm probably best uh, placed to answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. I've had a relegation and I've been a squad player. What's better? I I would rather mean something more to the team. So I would rather be in a relegation fight like a, a Ward Prowse who has been outstanding for Southampton. Yes, they got relegated, but it didn't really affect sort of his ability and what he could do and the opinions we had of him. He gets his move to West Ham and everyone knows the ability he's got. But I remember when I was at Manchester City, so the first time I won the league under Mancini, I played, I think, 30-odd games in that season. Totally justified of, of the medal. But the, the, the second time under, under Pellegrini, we sort of didn't see eye to eye. I've, I've told a story about not really getting on with him, but it was super nice guy. It was all my fault. So on trophy day, when you're getting presented with the Premier League medals at the the last game of the season, so he'd won, won the league. And I never forget the media guy from Man City said, oh, are you going to go out and get your award? At this time, I've only played three games or something like that. Two or three games that season, I've been injured and fell out with Pellegrini. So I know I'm not getting an award. I might get a medal, but it's not really just, it doesn't count. And they're going through all the names. So you all go out and you go get your medal. Then they call my name and I said, I'm not going out. He said, no, you have to go. I'll make sure <laughs> on the tannoy that they don't say your name. So he goes out, Vincent <laughs> Company, hey, whoever it is, Jolie Lesko, way cliche goes. And it gets to me. And you know, like when the fans are cheering, but it's more in a condescending way. I had to go out there and get a trophy knowing that I'd literally not had any impact in that season. And it was so demoralizing. So no, I would hate to be a squad player. I, it was some of the most horrible times of my of my career. Why did, when you why feel did, like, how did you fall out with, with Pellegrini? What happened there? <laughs> so, so Pellegrini, I, I, I thought I told it on here. So basically, you weren't pissed again, were you? <laughs> okay, I've had so many comments about that. Oh, I knew you was drinking so unprofessional. No, no wonder you didn't make it after your first year and all this sort of stuff. So we was playing in, was playing in the cup. I um I basically coming back from injury and was playing against a, a lower league team. Was playing at Etihad and um. In the first half, I've had a stinker, absolute stinker. And we're chasing the game, we're losing the game. And Pellegrini comes in at halftime and says, oh, Zabaleta for Micah Richards. So I have lost my shit. I've said, it's an absolute disgrace. You've got your favorites under the team. Blah, blah, blah. I'm effing and jeffing and throwing things <laughs> around in front of everyone. And after the game, 
He just blanked me, but he blanked me for about three weeks. So, you know, like when you get the, the team list, there's 18 or 20 in the squad. He just wasn't naming the squad. So I'm asking the, I'm asking the physio, why is it, or the doctor, what's happening? He said, you're not getting back in the squad until you go apologize. So I had to go to his fucking office and fucking say, I'm sorry, can I get back in the squad? <laughs> And at this point, I apologized so late, I couldn't even get the Premier League. So yeah, it was all my fault. It was my fault again. Uh, uh, great <sighs> stuff. Um, on that note, let's take a break. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, US Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics US, brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Rest is Football with Micah Richards, Alan Shearer and me, Gary Lineker. Um, got some great questions this week and um, here's one from Pudsey White. Just been watching the Best of Saint and Greavesy, um, which they are rerunning and they had a feature on Gary playing snooker against Jim. It sounded like you were some player. Do you still play and did you improve on the breaks? Um, you talked about it at the time. It was back in 1986. Um, yeah, I've I, I not played since 1986 because I went to Barcelona and there were no snooker tables. In fact, there was one snooker table in the town. It was in a bar and it was busy and it was in the time when they smoked inside and everyone used the pockets of the snooker table as an ashtray. So, um, but yeah, I, I had a few, um, few hundred breaks, I had a one, three, five total clearance. Um, I used to play every day after, after training from when I was about 16 until I was about Did you? 25. Yeah. That was my thing. I used to just, cause you have to, you know, 
lot of time to kill and I, I, I loved it I used to love playing in fact I played in a you know they did in the, they do, used to do incredibly long build ups to the FA Cup final and when we were playing the first um, Merseyside um, final at um, Wembley um, Liverpool against Everton and before in the build up um, in the in the days preceding the game um, they arranged a snooker match between me um, of Everton and Mark Lawrenson of Liverpool and it was the best of three frames and they had a referee and it was all in a bit of a crowd and all this. And we, the first frame was a bit scruffy. I won it easily. I was always going to win. But um, but the second frame, I got in the balls and they were really lovely. And I was like, bomb, red, black, red, black. And I got to about 45 and I was on the black. Wow. And I knocked the black in and I was perfect for the reds. And the reds were beautiful. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to make... And the referee goes, uh, foul shot, Mark Lawrenson, seven. And I've gone, huh? He said, I went, why? He went, um, you cuffed, you just touched the ball on the cush with you. I, I went, <laughs> oh, oh, Christ's oh. sake. And I thought, there's no way, no way I'd touch that. And then I was just so gutted. I was thinking I could have had a hundred break on telly. At the absolute bare minimum, I'd have got 70 or 80. And I won the frame, obviously. It was 2-0, that was it. And at the end of the frame, I went, oh, God. I said, what was that about? He went, he said, no. He said, I just thought, you know, you were running away with it. So I thought I'd, you know, give You're a foul joking. and give Lawrence a chance. I went, you have fucking got to be fucking hell. joking. <laughs> oh, honestly, I was I got it. But were you, any of you good at other sports? I mean, most footballers are, you're not bad at golf, Al. You're not, you know, you smack it yeah, around. I just go, love golf, that's it, really. I don't, I'm not into... Uh many others no why don't you play that anymore you're seeing with golf aren't you you either you're either in it or you, you you're not it's like mad isn't it it was purely because i went to barcelona and i had three years without playing and then i just never got back well, into the habit again tables over there like <laughs> i've got a question from kurt laduma for everyone what was the least enjoyable thing that came with being a pro footballer i know some players don't love training or all of the travelling, but was there anything else you personally didn't love about it? Ooh. Ooh, good question. I like training if it was some, felt like I was getting something out of it. Like, a, you know, even, even in pre-season where you work on your fitness, I didn't mind that. But, you know, once you get into the run of games in a season, it was always five asides and I just thought they were pointless and just got a bit bored. But I didn't hate it at all. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't as enjoyable as I felt it should be. But I just wanted to do... Finishing really. How can you not love being a footballer? Yeah. Other than other than towards the end, the travelling. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, you're getting paid to kick a football. I know. I love the I love the travelling. I love. I mean, when I first started off, we used to Southampton, the bus everywhere. I mean, seven eight hours on a bus up to Newcastle on a Friday, then seven eight hours back mm. on a Saturday night. It was like I even loved that. You know, when you could have a couple of beers on the bus or play cards or do whatever and. I don't think there's anything that I didn't like. No, it was amazing. I think I'm the same, really. Micah? I, I would probably say the media a little bit, you know, with the... You're it, in the media now. I, I, yes, but I, I'm in the media to try... Not, I don't want to change the, the, the opinion, but I always felt like the media was a little bit harsh, whereas now a little bit more forgiving i have all ex-players come up to me and said i thought you was a bit of a bell you're actually all right in real life do you know what i mean no, you're be not. just be just because like uh, i know we, when they talked and i had so much so young and like the opinion of me was one thing and that's why when people now doing analysis, I was like, say what you want about them on the pitch, but 
you can't really judge him off the pitch. When people say, oh, he's not living right, or he's doing that, how, how do you know? How, how do you know by just looking at a person unless they come drunk? So yeah, I would say media for me. Okay, question from Rob Watson. Having heard you mention Mark Hughes's nickname, Sparky, in an earlier episode, uh, what's the best nickname you've heard in a dressing room and why? I played with Justin Edinburgh at Tottenham and um, I'm not sure who came up. It might have been Gaza came up with it. His nickname, we called him Dalmahoy because it's a place that's just in Edinburgh. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah, it is. Very good, Gary. Very good. Wasn't the the player called Fitzhall, wasn't they? And they called him One Size or something. One Size. Yeah, that's it. That was quite good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Question from So Many Giraffes, which is to Micah. What was it like to get the best view of Wayne Rooney's overhead kick in the Manchester (laughs) Derby in 2011? Oh, that's harsh. I bet he's a Man United fan. The thing is, though, if you want to look at the analysis, it was company's man. Company slipped just before he's about to kick it. And for some reason, like, I'm just in the shot. I think I've got it. I'm closing my eyes to head the ball. And I just see this foot from absolutely nowhere. It was absolutely Mm. incredible how he managed to get his his foot that high and direct it into the top corner. It's one of the best goals I've ever seen, if not the best. So the view from a City point of view was not great, (laughs) but from a Man United point of view, it was ridiculously good. One from Bobby Osam. Uh, What's one of the weirdest things you've seen a teammate do in the dressing room or training ground? Oh, blimey. Which Gaza story do I tell here? I was just about to say that, yeah, <laughs> Gaza. How many can we tell oh, Gaza? I we told the ones, haven't I, where they think it was Freddie Flintoff came in. He kept punching him in the arm. He went, how's that? How's that? <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, that's it. Uh, and then um, Gary Barlow came in, he kept punching him in the arm going, take that, take that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gaza. Ga- <laughs> Is that a true story? Yeah, it's uh, fucking crazy. That Honestly, is brilliant. Uh, he used to put deep heat in your pants and then sit and wait for you to put your underpants on. You could see his shoulders fucking going away laughing when you were running away, scratching your balls because they're burning. My favourite one, though, um, well, one of many favourites, um, I went there with, with Jimmy Five Bellies, his mate, who was, you know, who would do anything for Gaza. He'd, he'd got, you know, he'd try and get him out of trouble and all sorts, but he'd do anything that Gaza said. So he, he came into training one day, Gazza, and he had this rifle. It's like this like rifle thing. And he was and at the end of training, he said, Jimmy, Jimmy, gun over there. And he said, gun over there. And he said, and bend over and I'll shoot you in the ass. And Jimmy's gone, no, Gaz, no, no, no way, no way. No, I can't, gun on, go on, go on, do it, go on, do it, he kept saying. So in the end, he walks about like 30 yards away and Gazza goes, boom, bang, shoots him in the cheek. He's going, ah, ah. He's running around. I'm thinking, oh my God, what this is like, uh, what are you doing? And then everyone's like, we're in hysterics, um, as you would be. So Gazza said, that was great. That was great. He said, let me shoot you in the other cheek. And Jimmy's gone, no chance, no chance. And needless to say, two minutes later, he stood there and he did him in the other cheek as well. He shot him in the other cheek. 
Striking. Dearing me. What a man. Oh, yeah. Micah, what about Bal- Mario? Mario Balotelli must have done something crazy. Exactly that. In, in training, not particularly, no. And all the stories I've got about Balotelli, they're like, let's say they're not PG enough. <laughs> <laughs> And someone, <laughs> someone's shooting someone up the arse is, is it? Yeah. <laughs> With a rifle. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. What about the fireworks in the house? What happened there? So the um, the Balotelli fireworks story, it is hilarious because the story that you guys all know is the story at his own house where basically he's setting off fireworks in his home and... I'm not exaggerating. There must have been 20, 30,000 pounds worth <laughs> oh of damage on the house. If you Google that now, you probably could see the damage. But what people don't know, he came to my house a couple of weeks later <laughs> and tried to set off fireworks in my house. <laughs> really? He's chasing me around my kitchen with fire, I'm like, man, are you fucking okay? You've just set off fireworks in your own house and nearly burnt it down. And now you're coming around and he's just there looking at me, laughing at me like it's normal. I'm just like, this guy is, he's mad, but he's, along with all the madness, it's the sameness with probably you guys with Gaza. It's just a great guy underneath. He can't do nothing but love him. What a guy he is. I love him so much. Kids, do not try this at home. <laughs> Under any circumstances. Yeah. And then you wonder why it was always, why always me? Uh, me. Why always me? I'm going to finish with one question for you, Alan Shearer. Oh. From Joey Joe Joe. If Alan Shearer could choose between A, a full head of hair for the rest of his life, or B, one more game for Newcastle at his peak fitness level, which would he choose? One more fucking... I'm not bothered about it. It's so much easier not having hair. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, you two must get up in the morning and do all this crap and sort your hair out. Micah gets his cut twice a week, pays 300 quid to get the guy from London or whatever. You just, I just have a wet shave once a week. It's perfect. Play for Newcastle once more, all day, every day. Yeah, I thought you might say that. <laughs> what a great way to finish. Um, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.